Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Today's episode, I interview Walter W. Boyd and what an incredible experience that you're in for, but for me as well, like he has an incredible energy. Uh, We shared stories going from his first out-of-body experience at the age of 13, losing a partner 13 years ago, and then the recent passing of his mum as well. So he's, he's known grief at a depth of level that few have. He's also had these incredible spiritual experiences that he goes into in the, in the chat and, and also some incredible guidance. So very much looking forward to sharing this. Enjoy this chat with Walter. I loved it. I'm sure you guys will too. Hey all, and welcome to this week's guest, Walter Boyd. Walter, how are you? I'm very well, my friend. How are you? I'm very well, thank you too. Uh, You're in South Africa now, so nice and early in the morning for you. Uh, We managed to find a time. Yeah, we managed to find a time that will work really well. Whereabouts in uh, South Africa are you? I'm in Stillby. So it's a, I think translation, it's Still Bay. It's It's a bit of a retirement town by a by a coast uh, beautiful beaches maybe that should be my picture really beaches <laughs> just beaches blue skies beaches and waves sounds magic and quieter lifestyle by the sound of that it is yes it's very relaxing and something i have to say about south africa is the level of sunlight has something to do or has some contributing factor to really awakening the energies of our spirit you know i think get out there enjoy the sun extract as much of that energy even if it's just energetic pull in that love from that sun um you know it's it's in the time that i've been here two years i have grown in such a phenomenal way i've developed my own healing modality Wow. I've learned certain skills. It's just grow, grow, grow. So be a plant, get out there into your sun, connect with that energy and pull that love in as much as you can. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I'm I'm a regular at the beach, not as regular as <laughs> I would like, but for me it's the, the, there is there is a something so soothing and energizing about being there, whether that's the 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 waves, the the energy of the waves or the, the soothing nature of, of the whole, of the whole scene really. Environment. Yeah. Environment, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
And as you've already sort of started on, we're going to be talking a lot about energy today, I'm sure. Now, yes. we're going yes. to start around, you said you've had a unique connection with energy, although you probably don't see it as unique, but for the for the average person, and you said you had your first out-of-body experience at 13. So can I you tell us a little bit about yeah how that unfolded, how that came to be? Because the actual shop that you described is not the everyday uh, shop for someone who's 13. So tell us a little bit of background and then let's go to that story, please. <laughs> You know, I think what's more important, it's not so much the the uh, the event itself, but the evidence that it delivered. You know, I was I was 13 living in Brunei. So this is fairly close to Australia uh, on the island of Borneo. There was no exposure to any of this sort of thing uh, with regards to out of body ex uh, experience or esoteric studies. You know, it, it's I won't say it's tribal, but, you know, you, you've got your local culture, you've got your uh, local mythologies and beliefs superstitions, but out-of-body experiences was not one of them. Um, I was in bed or I fell asleep. I had a, a rather interesting dream where I was walking the path outside my home. And we were living on a hill that was um, reputed to be haunted. If, if you look into the uh, mythology of, of Borneo, a lot of hills are seen to be the homes for spirits or genies okay so i'm walking down this particular path and i see this what looks like this is a dream i see what looks like a cave and i'm drawn to walk towards the cave at some point i begin to see treasure within this cave as i approach the treasure i hear screaming from within the cave and this short stout little man begins chasing me I begin to run and, you know, this is all a dream, but it's yeah. true in terms of placement of my home position and stuff. So I run home and find myself hiding in my bed. And I then begin to awaken. And as I awaken, and I'm talking about waking up into conscious state, yeah. I begin to see this short, stout man begin to dissipate, phase out, fizz away, foggy yeah. out. And I think, oh, that was a bad dream. Now, where we are or where I am at the moment is I'm in bed and right in front of my bed is the bathroom. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a toilet break here. So I walk towards the door thinking that I'm just me. I'm just me, not a problem. I place my hands on the doorknob and literally walk right through it. <laughs> no way. Literally walk right through the door and immediately they was this sense of awareness descending upon me the sense of awareness that this is who i am this is who i truly am it wasn't the person who's sleeping in bed or the person who's walking around in normal reality this is who i truly am and i'm thinking oh my god i'm in this i'm in my expanded state and what i have to what i'm being drawn to address right now is that immense sense of expansion and love and the lack of stress it was literally like bliss permeating the atmosphere bliss permeating the whole of everything bliss being me and i'm thinking okay i'm i'm gonna it was one of those full moon nights and i'm thinking and i've always had the moon i thought 
I want to get to the moon. So I jump out of the window and I'm doing a Spider-Man, you know, I'm clinging onto the wall like Spider-Man and I look to my shoulder and I see this gloriously thick coil that looks like a cord around my neck. But they, what's really interesting, like I need to remind us that there is no awareness of outer body experiences. But within this state, I was aware of what to expect within myself. I wasn't thinking like, what is that on my neck? It was like, oh, it's there. So two things come to mind. One is it's like those video, those old videos you see for from people taking LSD or, and, and, they, and that's how they're describing it, right? But yeah. the other part I'm really curious about is like there's a knowing that you just described there, but is there any part of you that's has any fear or like or, none? Or, none. It was this bliss state was so permeating this sense of oh god, I'm glad I'm back again was just so liberating. It was just so liberating. I remember jumping out of the wall, out of the window, and everything was like click, snap, think, and you're there, think, and you're there, think, and you're there. And I was out the door, and I'm thinking, I want to get to the moon. And I jump, and I lost consciousness, find myself back in bed. And I'm then thinking, okay, that didn't work. And I roll out of bed again, but I'm still in that state. And I walk to the, wind, uh, to the mirror, which is on the side, diagonally to the side of my bed, and I walked towards it and I said, and in theory, this shouldn't actually work because what I'm about to address, I'm not actually physically present. This is my energy body. But I walked to the mirror and I said, I want to see what I look like. And I then intended that I create light. And then I began to glow with this shimmering blue light and saw who I was. And since that moment, the effect of that experience has been apart from an undying desire to reconnect and reestablish and re-experience that has been this unwavering acceptance that you, I, and everyone else that we call friends, family, loved ones, we exist as a primal spark of consciousness that exists within a container and that no matter what happens, this spark lives on. You know, I think if anything I want to deliver from this sharing today is this yeah. deep remembrance of this truth and to bring that awareness so closely to the fore of our consciousness that it begins the healing process of so much of our grief, of our pain yeah. and regret. Mm. That What you described there is something that I was shown oh, a few years ago, that, that soul gazing when you're looking into other people's eyes and you, you are yes. sending them uh, positive words, affirmations, energy, and the more you stare, the more the physical of them fades away and the more you see what I saw with someone was not blue but it was golden white light. It was like everything just went. And yeah. that whole experience for me was like, what What on earth? Like, you know, that window to the soul. And that's similar to what you're describing now. The other thing that's really interesting through all of that 
and, I, and I'd love to hear if this makes any sense to you, was I yeah. just got this sense of extreme tiredness, almost like, is it the search for trying to get back there that's tiring or is it the, uh, or was that actual process that you went through extremely tiring or is it something else altogether that I was feeling then? I think it's, it's uh, that can be a multi-layered expression because immediately, as you said, tiredness, I think so many of us are battle-worn. So many of us are so invested in the identity, in you know, maintaining, paying the mortgage, doing the bills, and I'm, this is not in any way, forget everything, you'll live in a cave. This is not that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think so much of us is so invested externally that there isn't the inner circuit to allow us to feel the feedback loop of life that says, be fed by the truth of your identity, be fed by the truth of your heart, be fed by the the eternity of your presence. You know, so with regards to the tiredness, I wasn't tired when I had the out of body experience, definitely not. But in the um, in the journey of exploration, even the journey of seeking, I think we can invest so much in the seeking that we lose sight that the presence is there already. So what exactly about this process? If this presence is here already, why are we not, why is it not permeating? Why is it not just leaking, seeping, expressing? You know, so maybe that's part of this, this tiredness, maybe part of the invitation through our exploration today is how can we find this pathway back into this beautiful, sustainable relationship between identity and the spirit that is within to become a living lighthouse, a living expression of your grace? Mm. Um, The immediate question that came to me when you were explaining that was where... Where are you not, like, maybe not where not, but how can you be sharing your story more widely? Because people hearing more of this is is what's going to wake more people up to it, right? Like, I, I don't know if when you, you said you lived in Australia for a short period of time, there was a show... Uh, great mysteries of the world and it used to come on in the winter just before you know just as it was getting dark and and they would talk a lot of stories about the supernatural and the paranormal and and all these different things and i can just remember just being getting goosebumps through the whole thing getting like being so fascinated with this other world and that that's that's never left me was there was there after you went through that experience, was there a desire to share that? Has there been desire to share that more openly? Has there been a restriction for that happening? There's never been a restriction. I think one of my, perhaps, um, something that I love, you know, I have to say, when I was in Australia, I was studying, I had a scholarship in chemistry or I had a scholarship I was studying chemistry at La Trobe University in Melbourne. Uh, and so alongside this passion for chemistry, because 
through as my baby, um, I was also nurturing this sacred love for astrology, you know, and for me it was, it wasn't about just completely delving in the material world because someone actually asked me while I was at university, do you want to work in a lab at some point, um, you know, doing research? And, and I said, you know what? I don't. I said, if anything, I want to be able to work with the people. I want, I don't want to be so disconnected from the world, from the people that I'm supposed to be, you know, we all have purpose. We all have a purpose and we all have a reason for coming into being. And for me, the idea of just spending all of my time doing research and completely forgetting and being in tune with what the needs of the people are would have actually been a pointless waste of time. So it was a case of seeking, growing, seeking, growing, seeking, growing, and growing. And whilst I do that, I, I reach out, I connect with people, I see the clients. And, you know, my, my, my innate overall overarching desire is to reconnect my clients with a sense of that power within themselves. Now, whether it be through astrology, through energy work, through pendulum healing, through a tarot reading, whatever it might be, it's not to create a follower. It's never been to create a follower, but instead to extract through my processes, to extract that gift that is that person that is with before me and to hand it back for them to consciously be aware of this enormous grace that they are. And I, I don't want to use the word grace uh, willy-nilly because for a while, you know, we, we used to talk about shadow and light, shadow and light, shadow and light. And, and my guides came in a few years ago and they said, you know, when you actually finally place that shadow and light together, what you actually have is grace. What you actually have is grace. It's not about you know, beating the shadow and transmuting it and say, you become this light right now because I don't want you to be, you know, when you actually have the beautiful astrological chart before you with its gifts and its challenges and you then find a way to create the synthesis where it expresses itself with such beauty, with such grace, is when you find that that person has reached the the apex of that expression and it you know there is still growth there is still growth but i feel that once you begin to really express both your shadow and your light both your woundings and your gifts in a way that enriches you you become the you become the light that is really shining within this container and once you do that, you also begin the process of giving people the permission to be just that themselves, to be that grace themselves. Mm, love that. Permission to be self. Can we go back to that that experience when yeah. you were 13 and just tell me about the aftermath? Like what impact did that have on your thinking, on your beliefs, on, on everything? Like what changed? Wow. What changed? I think 
you know, growing up Catholic, I was brought up Catholic, very staunch for a moment, for a while, I actually thought I was going to be a priest and stuff. You know, I think that was part of the dream. But as you know, with, um, with the Catholic faith, there is a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of, you know, there's heaven and hell. And there's this hell that if you don't fit the box, you're going you're gonna to hit that box. You know, you're going to get in there. Fear, control. Yeah, control. But more importantly, the, the two things that I would take away from that experience was this, A, my eternity, my, my state of eternity, and, and that state of bliss, that's the second bit that I'd take away. It's that state of bliss. It was, it was so, it wasn't overpowering. It was, I was it, it was me. I was with it. It was, I was in this flow and it, you know, there was no, in no way was this any incoming you should have, could have, must have, I can't believe you didn't. It was just this absolute sense of awareness and bliss. Awareness, bliss. And if I'm really going to deep dig deep into the essence of this bliss, is this permeating love. This permeating sense of love, which is, I guess, in a sense, is unconditional in that it's not saying you ought to have done this, you should have done this, this is how you have to be. Again, it's expressing this free flow, organic expression of itself in its multitude of expressions in all the faces that we see, in all the things that we see around us, all experiencing, all growing, all expressing a particular path and a particular directive, purpose, desire, but the underlying life force that is within all of it is just un, I won't say unquestioning, it doesn't feel unquestioning, but it's uninhibiting in its allowance, uninhibiting in its allowance. And yet when we finally go back there, it is just as unconditional in its acceptance okay that is like that's what your feels like sounds like your knowing of of all of that now but what about the 13 year old boy because to me at 13 year old boy was like, wow i'm tripping my like what on earth was that yeah yeah so tell me about that like what 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 13 year old boy was like oh my god oh my god i've got superpowers <laughs> oh my god oh my god i got superpowers i was i was telling my mom i was telling my dad because you know from uh from my father's side his father undertook you know in the malay i'm not malay but my grandfather was we were living in a community that had a strong malay influence although it was uh you know he was eurasian he undertook a process, they call it ilmu, which is effectively translated to knowledge. Okay, so when, when someone undertakes the process of ilmu, they're effectively looking for occult knowledge for, I don't know if you've seen some of the, you know, Malay uh, movies and stuff where they've got superpowers and they can fly, they can do certain things. Um, and 
so I was telling my father that I had this experience and I just remember seeing him thinking, great son, you like you you've never you've never gone through a course and you're doing something that's really different, you know. So but I I just sort of I just felt really empowered. I just felt really like, oh my God, I can I can I can move mountains with this power. Yeah, and, and what I love is that different to most people who grew up in a Western world, rather than you having that experience questioned or dismissed or suppressed, you actually were empowered and, and got validation for it. So absolutely. with that in mind, do you tend to then help people who have had the opposite experience or have had a I, 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 I think with regards to the way I work, I go from believers to non-believers, you know, as in, I don't mean believers and non-believers in religion, but I am willing to be vulnerable to work my processes, both with those who believe in the process and with those who would question it. Because my role here isn't to attempt to validate me. My role here, if I'm called to service, is to entrust you with the power that you have within yourself. And if on some soul level, you've been guided to meet me for that very purpose, then I will meet that calling to the best of my ability. That's the way I see it. Beautiful. And that's a, uh, a much deeper way of explaining what what I my sense was when we jumped on this call was like, and you started telling me about your experiences. Like, oh, there's a there's a reason why we were meant to come across each other on the recent discussions we've had online, and then to have this much deeper chat because so much of it, we're on the same page, but they were, we're coming from very different angles. So it just makes for to me, I'm just so curious. So um, I'm I'm looking to go deeper into that, but I also want to as uh, is how I like to do these interviews is to dive deeper into some of those bigger moments yeah. so you said the you said when you that was the biggest moment right that was sort of the moment that changed everything uh, you mentioned you've had a couple of pretty uh, intense losses through your life and you mentioned you're losing a partner in in 2009 yeah um, so in you know, I'll, I'll sort of take it from the the, the perspective of the seeker, you know, the, the person who felt he could move mountains with everything and with his powers. And my partner was diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2005, after, you know, one year into our relationship. And at that point in my life, it was primarily, um, you know, work with the doctor to see what you can do and stuff. But I was also aware of this need to engage with this experience because I wanted it to be, I wanted to be a part of his process towards healing, you know? So coming from the place of I'm invincible, I can do everything, you know, this superpower says I can do everything. So, um, you know, the way it worked, chemotherapy, um, he was literally, on death's door at the end of 2005 
And, you know, I think there were still semblances of the, the ritual because after I left the Catholic faith, I, I sort of went into further exploration to look at astrology as a way of creating magic. You know, I think before then magic was more in the movies or rabbits out of the hat, yeah. but magic or manifestation, whichever way you want to actually look at it, I was looking at astrology as, as a way of fine tuning your timing to allow for manifestation to be more likely as opposed to not. Uh, that's called electional astrology. But anyway, so I was using those processes to help Michael, who is his partner who passed. And we would find that the processes would go up, plateau, dip. And then another process comes in or another growth process, or another particular modality that I take in, whether it's bath flower remedies or reflexology or massage, uh, Chinese meridians, it would go plateau or up, plateau, drop. And it just continually went that way. And each time it went this way, I was forced to engage with more processes of learning. So it was not just like, oh, you're just going to sit there, hum and go on and everything will be perfect. You've got to work for this. So it was work. It was work. It was work. And when, when you say uh, you've got to work for this, you mean both of you? Uh, I think I think I was being I was being guided to reconnect with my purpose. You see, when I met Michael, I was in finance. I was making it big. I was making it big to the point where, you know, money in. And it wasn't money in, but it was literally, it was abundance galore. You know, it was like literally, and it wasn't, it was all a legit company and everything, but abundance was flowing. It was like literally, and had things gone the way it was, I would have continued on that path because it was like, you know, it's just money, 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 nice house, dog, partner, you know, walk the beach, a beautiful sunset, grow old, die together, that sort of vision. But I, I believe that, or I sense on a soul deep level that had Michael not come in, to actually ignite in me uh, uh, an awareness of my purpose, then I would have actually moved down that trajectory and just allowed myself to have this. And I'm not saying anything wrong with big house, dog, you know, couple, sunset, whatever, but there was more to this life than just that. And yeah. having the experience of seeing someone that you love so dearly go downhill and being powerless was a big thing for me because, you know, it was that, and it was just this continual challenge of attempting to meet the challenge and overcome it only for it to break over and you've got to start again. And you know, so at that point, at some point it led to Reiki and it, it sort of brought an awareness of all these people that we were in this cancer ward, everyone just, waiting for the yay or nay of the doctors to say where things would go. And part of my desire then was to, was to bring back the awareness that regardless of how small the action that is added to a situation, each of us has the capacity to add value to that moment. Yeah. Each of us 
has that capacity. And unfortunately, a lot of our society has our, our basic upbringing, I think globally, has left us with a sense of disempowerment, a sense where we have no say, we have no power, we have no caliber. And, you know, I have this vision of bringing that sense of caliber back. I want that sense that we have that power, we have that power, we have, even if it doesn't lead to the end point that we envisioned, that we have a power to add value to the moment. Yeah. And I think I know what power is. You know, I think it will be the punchline at the end of this conversation. It will be that line, but um, yeah. Given your power. Our and, power, all of our powers. Yeah, I'm talking about this specific uh, moment and the element of powerlessness that you described yes. for being in that environment, I'm sure that there's an element of the patient feeling that, um, the people who are watching who don't have any control of the situation. Because you had these abilities and, and you knew what you knew, did that come with any pressure that you placed upon yourself to get a better outcome for him? I think it did. But I also see it as a, the whole thing as being catalytic. I think the way I saw his final passing, you know, um, there was a remission, but it then came back with a vengeance. Um, so can, can I just jump in there? Yeah. Could you answer that by trying to take yourself back there rather than answering now from what you know and from all the work yeah. that you've done since then, but trying to, to tap in and remember what that was like when, when you only knew what you knew at that time? When I knew what I knew at the time, I knew that I loved him enough that I would do anything. I would do anything. And I don't mean hurt anyone, but I'd sacrifice myself to make this work, to make this miracle occur, to make that transition occur. Um, and I was very aware of the responsibility that I placed upon myself to take in as much information, to gather as much knowledge that I needed to grow into to meet that challenge. Mm. Yeah, I feel that. It, it was a, like an energy of like you, you you feel comfortable that you did all that you could, which is um, all that you would expect for someone that you love, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Was there a time where it was clear or maybe, I don't know, maybe did, did Michael come across this before you of a realisation that, look, the end is coming and, and oh. if... That's a nice story. Um, so I'd, I'd undertaken Reiki. Michael was in a hospice. I think, you know, he, he, he resisted the hospice up to the end. I think it was, we, he had lost so much weight. He had lost so much uh, strength that he really couldn't move. So 
we got him moved to the hospice. They were they were happy for me to be by his side continuously. And the beauty was the hospice was literally perhaps 100, 100 200 meters from the home that we shared, that we bought. And uh, so I'd cook a meal and I'd take a meal there for him. Up to the end, I, I think my, my, um, my mindset was, it's not over till the fat lady sings. You know, it's like, I'm not giving up till the very last moment. There is no way I'm giving this up. And so Reiki has come into my life at this point. It's, it's come in for the last six months. And one of the regular healers that we had at the, at the hospice, Marilyn, said to me, oh, Walter, um, I've got a friend outside who's waiting for you. She's going to do a healing for you while I work with Michael today. You know, this is, this is two days before he passed. And uh, so this woman that was working with me was called, um, gosh, Marion. And so Marion was waiting for me in the, in, the, uh, in the main room. And she says, Walter, let's go find a little room and we'll actually do some work together. And, you know, we did a cord cut. And I didn't know we were going to do a cord cutting. All I knew was I was going to get healing. You know, I was going to sort of get healing for a new, uh, a new um, sense of energy, a new sense of purpose, perhaps a miracle to actually turn the situation around. And all I remember was walking in and she guided me gently. And she says, okay, you know, it's like, uh, maybe it's time to let Michael go. And I, and I resisted. I said, are you serious? I've been fighting this whole thing for the last five years and you're telling me that I'm going to let this go. You know, I've got so much of my energy, so much of my love, so much of my passion invested in this. There is no way I'm going to let this go. And she says, okay, let's, let's, you know, sometimes we can be in our investment. We can create the cage for ourselves. We can create a cage for ourselves. And, Sometimes for healing to occur, we've got to release ourselves from the cage, and however that might mean, to step out of the cage to allow new possibilities to come through. And one of these cages is is like a cord of connection that you have with Michael, you know. And I'm thinking, okay, I know where you're going here, but <laughs> and so we're doing this cord, and I'm honoring the cord, and I'm seeing the cord, and Michael's there in the distance, and I'm totally, we're totally engaging, we're totally loving, and we're totally expressing the love from an energy level. And I know that we, you know, people might say poo poo, what, what on earth are you talking about? You know, the person's not gonna feel it. But from my years of experience, it's like, you feel the energy, you express the energy, the person gets it. I mean, so And Marion says, okay, it's time to actually cut the cord. And she says, I'm gonna give you this golden set to actually give you the best energy cut. You know, it's like, it's loving, it's swift, it's, and I, and I said, I can't do it. And I break down. And she says, why? I said, if I cut this cord now, he's going to go. And I think even at that point, I was deeply aware of the energetic impact of keeping him here as opposed to letting it go, letting it go and allowing it to transmute into something that it's meant to transmute into. And so with tears streaming and with, uh, with a level of reluctance, but also with a level of surrendering and acceptance, I cut the cord. 
And then I felt something lift. I felt something lift. And, and the rest of the, the, the process went quite smoothly. There was no issues after that. And I, and I then went back to Michael and he looked at me very sleepily. He says, hey, baby, how are you? I said, I'm okay. But I knew something had changed. I knew something had changed. And, and it was like two different people. And I won't say two different people. You know, I think sometimes in our investment in whatever it may be, whether it be in a home, in a vision, in a relationship, into something, so much of us is invested into the other. It's almost like we encrust it with our own expectations, with our own whatever. That wherever it goes, we are pulled along with it. And in that moment of sitting in that room with him, it felt like two individuals were sitting. Two individuals who had been given the liberty of moving in love, but moving independently once more. Yeah. Moving independently once more. And, you know, needless to say that he, he passed two days later. I was very angry. <laughs> I was super angry. I was like, I can't believe you guys did this. You know, I, my whole identity is invested in this belief that we can make change, that we can create change. And yet you can't, you can't just make that one little provision that this one thing could stay. And so that began my next phase, my next 10 years, I guess, psychosynthesis, deeper, deeper awareness, deeper empathy to realize that whilst we can love, it is not for us to hold. Hmm. It is not for us to hold someone into our vision of something that each person has a purpose each person has their own little journey yeah to me it it's just a great example of how we we try and control situations mm -hmm. holding on holding on but as you just pointed out then his his own journey uh <laughs> This is what I get. I got the sense of. He, he, it seemed just from the outside looking in that he'd made peace with it, and it was you hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. That was it was almost like he was hanging on for you because of that love, mm -hmm. right? Which, Absolutely. which is which is beautiful, uh, but also, yeah, I guess th that would have come at a time when you were both ready for for whatever the next stage of Absolutely. was. Um, Absolutely. I, I still feel, even when Michael, I think towards the end when I realized that he was going, even if I was in denial, I knew he was a teacher. He was my teacher. He was there to teach me on so many levels and to even reconnect me to why I'm here. You know, mm. uh, like I said, that had, had things gone the way it was, that had, had that miracle occurred, I wouldn't be doing any of this. Yeah. I would be happily 
living the stand. I won't, and again, I'm not using the word standard as a dismissive statement, but you know, it's it's that normal life expected. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't be doing this. Hmm. Uh, when you're talking about him being the teacher, I just got goosebumps of uh, confirmation. Yeah, in probably a bigger way than you may fully appreciate, but I'm sure you'll come to know more of that as the journey goes on. You, you mentioned anger. Uh, that really yeah. showed up when you were talking about um, the weight loss and a lot of loss of strength. And what really sort of came through for me was it's like ripped off, like not only oh, like yeah. it felt for him, like what he didn't get to enjoy and what the two of you didn't get to enjoy because of that life force was just taken out of him. Like Absolutely. how how did you process that anger in the moment and then as those waves would have kept coming for time after that? I didn't know how to I didn't know how to process it, to be honest with you, because as soon as he passed as soon as he passed, um I was just aware of this deep sense of disconnection. You know, it's like I was I was sitting with this awareness that so many years down the line, but in the past, I remember being eternal. And yet I was sitting with this deep fear that, oh my God, is he still okay? Is he okay? There was a, a complete sense of disconnection to that bliss state that I was talking about. It was like, what if he's not? What if he's not okay? Um, you know, and but that anger, I didn't know how to process it because a lot of my way of working when I was younger was I was very cerebral. I was great at school. I was good at math. I was, you know, but if you said to me, what are you feeling right now, Walter? I'd be like, what are you talking about? What's feelings? What's feelings? You know, okay. I mean, that that would hint to certain things anyway. Uh, yes. But uh, what, what are you talking about feelings? So as soon as Michael passed, I literally a day after he passed, I, I approached the uh, hospice and I asked if they had a uh, bereavement counsellor to hand. I got myself enrolled in it and... You know, that was just the first part of the journey because it was about really taking away all those layers of programmings of keeping everything just kept in and safe or hidden. You know, it's, yeah. it, don't show that, don't show that. And I think it was, it was that followed by... Um, psychosynthesis i i enrolled to undertake psychosynthesis because i saw its possibilities of linking it with astrology but psychosynthesis really was another stepping stone for me that allowed me to to really own my empathy to really own my intuition because prior to that my the way i see it now it wasn't that my my the environment that i was growing up in was toxic but instead, I was a highly sensitive individual, high empathy level, but with no guidance on how to process that stuff. So all that stuff eventually began to just crud up all the way up to my throat. You know, so it's like, take it in, process, take it in. You're, you're engaging with the environment, but no one's telling you, flush that toilet boy, 
flush that toilet, let it go. No, no one told me. I didn't know. So it was just. So I became beautifully cerebral, powerful in my capacity to actually analyze and everything. But it was only through psychosynthesis and the empathy where I was then able to go deeper and deeper and deeper to release the anger, the frustrations, and to make peace with the fire. Because it's not about dousing that fire. It's just allowing it to be that temple fire in the temple, allowing it to just burn, just keeping the walls you know, free of the crud to be totally honoring of the emotions, allowing it to just flow and and pass. Yeah, the upbringing that you described there, uh, you, you explain that brilliantly. So many sensitive souls grow up with these strange feelings and thoughts and that we, we can't necessarily understand. It doesn't mean we had a hugely traumatic upbringing. It was exactly as you described. We just weren't taught how to deal with big stuff and Absolutely. the reality from my experience and, and the people I've spoken to are like that is that in general the rest of their family didn't have that same deep emotional sensory overload so they didn't understand so we grow up not understood and then you come into these moments where really the only way to be able to make peace with it is through your own journey of working through the pain and then learning as much as you can about going through your own journey to make peace with it. Otherwise you just get stuck in this loop of blame and, and uh, all of those different mental health problems that, that people are so prevalent now. Absolutely. What, what my guys are actually stepping in to actually address is to remind us all that the process of moving energy is profoundly easy. It's as easy as the breath. It is profoundly <laughs> easy. And, you know, I think if my parents had somehow been aware of, and this is why I think the astrology aspect is so powerful in allowing parents to realize who they have as these sacred containers before them and to meet them as individuals as opposed to a one blanket rule for the whole family. I'm not saying, oh, you're special, you're gonna be treated and you're the rough one. You, it's nothing like that, but allowing each engagement to be unique, each en uh, engagement to be truly honoring between me and you, you know? So yeah. had they seen my chart, they would have seen, oh, this, this is a bit of a, uh, an emotional one. Let's, let's find ways to engage with this emotion find the art, find, find the flow, find the dance, find, find the ways of actually allowing that flow to move uninhibited and yet to be celebratory in its movement, you know? Um, yeah. and, and what they're saying to me, and this is what I'm being asked to share, is that for those of us who are still processing gunk within the emotional body, to allow the breath almost imagine the breath being this whole container around you, that bliss that we are all connected to, to breathe it in all the way to the heart as a way of reigniting that connection to our heart and then breathe it out, allowing the, our consciousness to gently move this energy through the bodies from 
the heart level downwards. So if we were doing this as a hand movement, we can be So pushing it down from above to down through the torso. Absolutely, because what we're really trying to do is we're trying to move the energy through the power center of the solar plexus so that our power center is really aligned with this force of light within our heart, the force of our spirit, moving it through the sacral, allowing it to flush out all the dense crud, emotional cruds that we have actually collected and forgotten to flush, and then flush it through the root because any sort of biases around who we think we are, how we need to contain, all that is being flushed by the integrity of this bliss energy that is within here. And then continue that process, a way of filtering out and really clearing the channel from the heart downwards to allow us to be really empowered in our presence. Yeah. Because I've been shown that had I been shown that as a child, because I would go through a monthly period where I would just need to be left alone and I would be left, this is before I went to Australia, hmm. I would be left with this deep, dark, not self-hating, just brooding that I had no way of breaking through. The only way I could actually break through was when I was in, I was out of one of those moments, I said to my sister, who I'm very, very close to, I said, when you see me in this space, because I would, I would lock myself in the room, because we all shared the same room kind of thing, come to me in the corner that I'm at, be brave, give me a tight slap across the face and say, snap out of it. The reason <laughs> I actually say that, and I know it sounds, why on earth would you do that? This, this density was this coiling or this continuous coiling of emotion that had no way of expressing itself. And part of that, part of that energy force is also the will force, the fire or the, the ability to be angry. That slap and say snap out of it would cause it to break the cycle of just going round and go upwards to then give me voice to express what it was that I needed to express. I didn't know anything about this. All it was instinctive in that, please, when you see me in this space, give me that tight slap. Because as soon as I received it, I would actually feel almost like I could breathe again where the energy was rising and allowing it to express itself through poetry, through dark poetry, but still expression. I reckon if I asked any of my siblings to do that, they would have gleefully uh, taken that. <laughs> um, you, you, you talk there about the that solar plexus area. Um, and to me, you describe something that that is a, just a powerful bit of knowledge for people. We That solar plexus can be our centre of life force or it can be our centre of fear. And if we have that ability to, as you said, shift the energy up, and shift it into voice, it allows us to release the fear and have more power. And as you said, take the energy down through the, the sacral, which giving and receiving, being able to have a, a deeper relationship there and then through grounding and have more of that foundation and base, then if we can learn these skills, whether you are going to buy into the 
astrological element or just go with what is absolute common sense, then Absolutely. what, what, oh, I nearly said Michael, but maybe he was talking through that, uh, that Walter was explaining then, um, just so powerful. And <laughs> so do you, I know you said you, you've, we'll get to your mum and, and her talking to you, but do you get the sense that, that Michael, as your teacher, is regularly still sharing lessons with you? Um, in the first few years after he passed, I did have a few more less, um, what, how should I say, less potent out-of-body experiences. It was more uh, lucid dreaming, where I would see him approach me in my bed, and I would see myself being completely aware that this is a dream, but aware that I'm within the confines of my space, and I'd be taken to places, shown things, and that sort of thing. Um, my felt sense, my deep soul felt sense, was that Michael stepped in, in his sacrifice, to allow me to realign with my purpose, to realign me with a sense that there was more to me that I could deliver with with what I have. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to ask this before because you touched on it earlier. One of the most difficult things for people to face is what you described then you described earlier, which is it can be the most traumatic and sad and grief field experience and it can still cause pain in the future but it can also be the greatest gift that you ever receive and it can be both and that's okay and by recognizing the gift doesn't lessen your pain it doesn't lessen the grief it doesn't lessen who you are but recognize the gift allows you to receive the gift Absolutely. And to then honour that person's life. Absolutely. And then you, as, you just, as you describe then, it, it takes you deeper into a sense of purpose. And, you, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you shared that because that, that is – people who listen to this regularly hear me banging on about this a lot, but, it's, but it is. It's when you can reach that point of acceptance and make peace, then that, that you find the gift and it just changes everything Absolutely. about – the experience and your own experience going forward. Yep, absolutely. You know, my mom, I don't know if I can take my mom into the process right now. Do you mind? Go for it. Can you, can you just, for <laughs> listeners, can you give context for this? Because I know what you're about to do, but. Um... Yeah. So after Michael passed, I, like I said before, I was, I was sort of, stricken but more so I was very I think the the whole programming of keeping him safe keeping him protected making him better was still playing in my mind somewhere and I needed to find some kind of closure and I went visiting many spiritual churches in the UK um, but what I actually found and I wasn't getting a lot of evidence to indicate that he was anyway you know I, th I think I had to part of the process was realizing that this truth needed to come from within, that I couldn't seek the validation of his eternal existence outside, 
that somewhere within the expression outside, I will, uh, there will be something that will go, but what if they're lying? Or what if, how do I know that that medium is really saying what he's saying? Or is he just saying something just to make me happy? I need to feel this. And I think that began the exploration, the further exploration. But one thing I was aware of was that I didn't want to be a medium because my astrological chart, as I said, I was a sensitive. Part of the constellation within my chart actually says mediumship should actually be a doddle for me. It should be one of my capabilities. But meeting the people in their grief, sitting, seeing them, almost reveling in their grief and not really saying, let us move beyond this. And then it's not about, you know, I guess in a sense where I was, I was like, let's just move out of this. There's, there's a love here that we need to actually find, but no one seems to be doing this. You know, every, everyone wants to hear about how Granny X would, died from something or something or something. It, it didn't feel like, where's the celebration? So I said, no mediumship for me. I am not owning that stuff. I'm not owning that at all. So my mom had a fall two weeks before Christmas last year, 2022. And it was literally a fracture of her arm. Um, and what happened was she was taken to hospital and she was then sent back home with a sling. But in the days that followed, she began to become less aware, which is a little odd for, uh, you know, just a fractured arm. They took her in and kept her in and began, they found her electrolytes were all over the place. Things were out of balance. She had an underlying kidney issue, but the, the last, checkup that she had, which was just a few weeks before the fall, said everything was fine. There was no need for dialysis or anything like that. So she's taken in just a few, I think it was the 23rd of December, 2022. And that literally led to her demise, where she was just continuously getting unwell. Um, on the 8th, or the, on the 7th of January, I was having a chat with her on the phone. She didn't sound very well. And, you know, Marcus, Marcus, my partner, and I, we were sending her healing. We, we'd been doing the healing work from a distance for quite a while. And, okay, I'm being told I can, I'm able to share this. So... On the night of the 7th, you know, we've been working, we've been doing transmissions, we've been doing healing work. And the way I work is I'm actually very organic in my processes. So I thought, well, actually, let's, let me just ask an astro astrological question to see what the medicine was, what, how I needed to change tactic to help my mother heal. And I drew a chart and every indicator on the chart seemed to imply that she was on the way out either in two days or two hours, two days or two weeks. Now, obviously I'm not going to call home and say, Oh my God, mom's about to go. Please keep a, keep a watch. I, you know, I'm being given privy to this information. I need to honor it, but then how do I process this? So I didn't tell anyone at home, but I then told Marcus that when he came back, 
from his uh, his training. And we did more healing, but more from a space of allowance. It wasn't about moving things in one particular direction. If anything that I've actually learned is to allow for things. It's, it's all about allowance, that we each have a purpose, we each have a journey, we each have a path. And so much of our pain can come from our own lack of allowance for the other person moving in their truth. So yeah. we held that space and I went to bed. And uh, I woke up five o'clock in the morning here in South Africa. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna just do another transmission because you know I still work with the premise. I'm not, it's not over till the fat lady sings. I will work, if I commit, I will work in a process. So I'm giving healing and suddenly an image of my mom appears in front of me jam smack like someone's just posted a picture of her right in front of me smiling and i'm thinking my god that's never happened to me for for a healing session so i jump out of bed and i go to the phone and there's five messages five missed calls and one last message from my sister to say that my mom had passed when i when i had read the timing of her demise i said two hours it was about nine o'clock that evening my mom passed at 12 o'clock my time that evening. So effectively it was three hours later. Um, and, and so that began the journey of my engagement with my mom's spirit. What was interesting though, right from the, the get go of her transitioning, I found her speaking to me like she was right here. It was the most, you know, for someone who says, I don't want no mediumship, keep away with your mediumship. There's no way I'm working with that stuff. She was right here. And it, the, over, the overall expression was not one of like, you could have done better, son, or I wish you did better. I wish you were here. It was all about acceptance. It was such a profound level of love and acceptance that was coming from her it was like i love you son i love you son it was it was it was it almost felt repetitive and yet it was affirming it was affirming and assertive in its expression it wasn't some mamby pamby i love you son it was like i love you son so, and I feel that what it was trying to address was whatever guilt processes we may hold on to in how we engaged or in how I engaged with her, you know, that was a way of saying, please recognize that I come from a space of love. And from this space of love, any guilt or any sort of hangups, any sort of blocks that you might hold to feel this love that I have for you is primarily yours. Because as I said before, when I stepped into that spaciousness at the age of 13, it wasn't about Walter in bed and he's got school next week, or it was this bliss state of absolute love, this absolute acceptance and mom is sitting here with this same expression of trying to express i love you son 
you know, yeah. granted, they were, and and what I did in, in that period, because being we're still Catholic, or the family's still Catholic, we had a wake, her body was left, was taken home, there were visits, and I kept a journal, I kept a journal of the communication that came through in our processes, it, you know, in working with her, in, in playing the medium, in stepping up to pass messages from my mom to my siblings and to my father as affirmation of her love, as, as ways of soothing the obvious pain of loss. But at the same time, to also begin the process of releasing the guilt. Because I'd like to share a few key quotes uh, from, you know, I think it was five days of her working with me. And she still comes in once in a while and communicating. But there were five intense days that felt so much like one foot of me was here. And one, the other foot of me was right there. It was like I was having a continuous out-of-body experience. And I was just pulling in information that she was delivering to support me and my family. And perhaps these words may also support those who hear this, this podcast. Okay. Okay. So one of the things that I actually felt immediately as I... Uh, learned about her loss was this felt sense of spaciousness and I and I wrote and I write here what is that difference that we feel why does the world really feel different after someone we love passes even if we are continents away why does it feel different filled with an emptiness compared to when we put down the phone on that person after our one regular call and then she comes in and says Love connects us all. Breathe into the waves of grief. The love between, the love connection between the living and the spirit in transition is alive. The waves of grief are colored with a sense of overwhelm. Are these feelings really ours? Or are they, in fact, the feelings of mum as she experiences the reestablishment and understanding and remembrance of her true nature and identity. So for me, it was this awareness that this love that we hold moves on even as the person moves into the other realm. And what she showed me was that this process of breathing, breathing into the grief, was not just supporting us to release this cord of connection, or the incrustations around the cord of connection, but it allowed the other person to remember, the person who's transitioned, to fully surrender into their bliss state. That as we hold on to the grief, we were also holding on to the identity that was placed upon the individual. And that as we breathe into acceptance, as we breathe into the surrender, we also allow the individual or the soul spark to surrender into the bliss that they are. So it becomes an empowered process that our grieving can be one of just dire loss or empowered 
enrichment both for ourselves and for the other person who is on the other side that as we breathe into our loss because she goes on to say love is the underlying lattice that connects everything in connection while the conscious programs of identity may build upon this scaffold and oftentimes loses the awareness of the love connection and needs to be to be reestablished through st strategic conscious processes, the underlying love connection is there regardless. Oftentimes, the stuff that needs to be processed as we attend to our grief is the conscious exercises to release these encrustations that overlay this intricately beautiful lattice of love so that the connection of love can be returned to a state of pristine integrity. Beautiful. What a gift. It was. And it is. It is. It is. Um, I just want to ask some questions around what was showing up in my body through all of that. Did, did yeah. your mum have, did your mum have uh, something going on with one of her eyes? Like, was... Not that I know of. I mean, she had a... Um, she had an aneurysm, brain aneurysm, way back in two, let's see, 2006, but she recovered. She recovered. Because like, um, what I got was kind of like um, sort of mirrored to me, so like left side of her face maybe sort of feeling more like drooping down or something. No, no, I did actually, I did actually have a Bell's palsy incident about six years ago. Oh, Out okay. Blue, I, was doing, well, I was having a, an astrological reading. I was doing a reading and I just remember in that morning I was brushing my teeth and I was putting water in my mouth and, you know, gargling usually has no issues. And as I was gargling, I was pushing water out like a fish and it was just, I was spitting. I was thinking, that's odd. You know, but I tested. Is there, like, is there signs of uh, having a stroke? You know, everything tested fine. And then that was, uh, that was about two months of Bell's palsy. That was the start. Hmm. Was there anything going on in your life at that time that was... Um... leading up to that time like that was particularly stressful or could you could you align it to to anything or just completely random i have my suspicions but it's yeah. it's a physical thing okay um yeah we won't go there because you know okay. then we yep. don't want to go into that area but yeah sure got it okay makes sense I also got through that when you when you mentioned your mum specifically, I got like the most bizarre thing, right? So I got drawn to look out the corner of my eye. Well, I'm getting goosebumps all over. Uh, by is a pot plant over there, which is quite heavy. It's hanging, and it would require a fair bit of breeze to move it. Now there's two there. They're only two meters apart. 
the one on the left is blowing like rocking back and forwards and I can see right next to it the re- the reflection of my ring light here. Yeah. And it was like the only other time I've had a reading like that was with someone around wind chimes and their and their baby who passed early and it was like it was like a confirmation at my end of like yeah like she's here she's talking to us <laughs> like you know i know i know i say this a lot but for, for those listening who who all that sort of stuff might be a stretch like i can't explain that any other way with these two quite heavy pots that are, like it was blowing it blew a foot right so it's like yeah. it's a significant amount of breeze and yet the other one's just not moving at all like that explain that any other way to me i'd love to hear it <laughs> Uh, and, I, and I just think that's beautiful, like, to get that confirmation. Like, had it described to me by someone else, it's like, what, why is it okay to, that when you say you've been talking to the, the person who's just passed in the days after that you talk to them or that you talk to God or whatever because that's just a natural inclination, but then if it goes on too long, then people think you're crazy. And it's like, mm-hmm. why, why is that? And it's like... You can make sense of it any way you want, but but when the experience is is so real and you allow yourself that word that you mentioned before, acceptance and allowing, then then you can have some of the most profound experiences, which may not be able to be explained by your own ex- previous experiences by other people in your world. But don't try to, just allow them I, to. That's, that's the key, you know, Ian. I I do believe that is the key, as I mentioned before. I was seeking validation for externally. You know, I was seeking validation externally through the mediums, through the, through the, through the groups and stuff. But I realized part of the validation or the certainty had to arise from within, you know, so we can, each of us can play a part in re-delivering that awareness of that innate gift that sits within the person but it then falls upon the person to re-engage with it you know we all have a spark of that divine within ourselves and i guess the same question that you just posed but in terms of uh the the experience do we rely on the external world to validate the intimate connection that we have with source that we have ourselves or are we willing to ignite that relationship and find validity confirmation and liberation through that Love it. I'm getting tingles all over as I say that. Okay. Yeah. That to me that yeah, why would you not want to have that internal validation? Because you, you spend your life life chasing the external when it's all exactly. available within you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great description. I'm going to talk to you after about that because I keep going to like I'm keep drawn to ref, to refer to you as Michael as if, if there's part of me that's talking directly to him through him whatever. Um, but Walter, you you um, well, I, I felt as you described those those final moments and that experience with your mum, like just 
I've got my, my – well, I'll mirror it back to you. So left calf, left sacral, right eye, right knee, like like you were describing, like the two, one leg over here, one leg over there. Mm-hmm. But legs are also about moving forward. So yeah. now you've got – you're moving forward with some big stuff from from everything that you've described to me. Can you, can you give people a window in – I know you're not fully clear on that just yet, but can you give people a window into – to what that is and and then where people can find you if they're curious to learn more. Okay. Um, where am I going with all of this? I think my core, my core mission still remains the same. It's just that I've expanded in my acceptance that who I can speak with is not just limited to your chart. It's not just limited to you choosing the cards before me, but I'm also willing to allow your people to come into the circle or the container of our session to bring forth or participate in your empowerment. Because again, it is this beautiful expression that they're not coming here to rein you in. They, if anything, what mom has actually shown me is that they're here to celebrate to truly celebrate you for who you are, perhaps say, you know, maybe you might want to tweak that little bit there, or tweak that little bit there, but we <laughs> totally love you, you know? So it, it is that awakening of that deep appreciation of that love that exists between us and within, and that love connects us to the very grid of humanity, you know, and it's opening that up and realizing that as we release the blockages, and I want to end this with a, with Mom's last statement on the last day before she um, before she trans before she was buried, um, she said, "Really feel the love, son. Really feel the love. Step into it. For when there are no blocks in between, then there can be no missing." Because I said to her before she left, as we watched the last sunset together on the day before she was buried, I said, Mom, I'm really going to miss you. And she said, son, really step into the love. For when you really step into love, into the love and there are no blocks, then there can be no missing. When there is no missing, then there is communion. For in love, we are one. And she then goes on, which I didn't actually share with you. Life is built on the lattice of love. And whilst lifetimes will come and go, the legacy of our embodiment will build the structures of new hope, beauty, and possibilities. So if anyone wants to investigate or look into me or connect with me, they can look me up on uh, my uh, Facebook page, Walter W. Boyd, or my business page is thespiritedpathway.co.uk. Awesome. And we'll make sure that those links are in the notes so people can find them as well. Walter, wow, what a story and such amazing, beautiful, powerful messages. Thank you so much for sharing so openly your journey and particularly through three 
massive moments in your life, which yeah. I know will serve to help the listeners in, in a really profound way. So thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. You're most welcome, Ian. Thank you so much for having me here. And I just want to say to the listeners as well, find that exercise, especially if you've got loved ones who are ESPs, uh, not ESPs, empaths and HSPs. Use that process to really flush your system, get them empowered, see those gifts as gifts and not challenges. Allow the world to be lit up by the emotionally aware allow them to light the way for each of us we all have skills they have a skill to bring awareness to the emotions in the room let that be our gift to them brilliant thanks walter you're most welcome take care you too i hope you enjoyed this episode of the grief code podcast thank you so much for listening please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.